0: <laughs> um, we're going to start in Luke chapter 5, and, um, and uh, we're going to read verses 1 through 11 today. And the title of my message today is, But Because You Say So. Five words that could change your life. Five words that change the life of Peter, and five words that could literally change the trajectory of, of your future. Luke chapter 5, verse 1. It says, one day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, which is also known as the Lake uh, Sea of Galilee, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. And he saw at the water's edge two boats let there, let, left there by the, by the fishermen who were washing their nets. Verse 3, he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. And here it is. But because you say so, I'll let down the nets. And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. And so they signaled their partners in the boat to come and to help them And they came in and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and he said, go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. And Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. And so they pulled their boats up on the shore, left everything, and followed him. Lord, I thank you for your word. I pray that through your word, uh, that it would mine the gold out of each and every single one of us. Lord, I pray that it would push us to trust you um, for the unreasonable requests that you continue to ask us to do. Lord, may we have faith to trust you even when it's hard. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Thanks. Ha. Oh. So, um, so Jesus is, is preaching one morning by the Sea of Galilee, and uh, crowds gathering, people are listening, and there's these fishermen that are, that are washing their nets. There was this kind of a process, it was, uh, it was kind of a, an intense process that would happen, they would fish during the night, and then in the mornings they would, they would wash the net, which meant they would rinse it mend the net the holes that were in it so that it was all fixed and then they would they would stretch it out in the in the sun to to dry out because if you didn't do that then uh, then chances are that the uh, they would essentially rot and break and um and so when jesus says like hey let's go fishing again i want you to understand like it's a doable request it's just unreasonable like they, 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 they've already done the fishing thing. Now's the time where they're getting everything set up for the next day and they're drying out their nets and they're mending everything and they're setting things aside. So it's doable. They could do this, but it's just unreasonable. And before Jesus uh, makes this unreasonable request, he begins with an even more unreasonable situation. And I want you to just kind of picture yourself in this crowd of people, or maybe even picture yourself as Peter who's kind of, after a long night of fishing, he's kind of listening, half stretching out his nets. And in verse 3, it says, Jesus, he says, he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, Peter, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. And then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. Now, I want you to think about this. If you don't think this is weird, I want you to do something this morning right after service, I want you to go out in the parking lot. Maybe you kind of buzz out. You know how some of you like. Well, as soon as I'm like by your heads and pray, you're like, Pew, gone, you know. Go out with them and you just go out and you hang out in the parking lot and look for the nicest car. All right? You find like, that truck that you always wanted, uh, the Tesla that you're like, man, who's got a Tesla? That's so cool. Like, you know, you go find that car and you kind of stand by it, not awkwardly, not too close, but stand by it and wait until the person comes out to get into their car and they do their little beep, beep to unlock their doors. And as soon as that happens, I want you to jump into the passenger side of the vehicle, okay? And when the driver comes in or sits down, maybe he doesn't notice because you're really stealthy or maybe they're just wondering what in the beep, beep are you doing? right now you just tell them as you're sitting in their boat, in their car and you you just say could you just you just put out a little bit from the parking lot and just give me a little tour just give me a tour around Bedford maybe and just see what they do if you don't think this is an odd situation, if you don't think that, that this is an unreasonable situation that Jesus kind of places himself into in the boat of some other guy's boat and just is like, hey, could you, uh, could you just, uh, yeah, just, can we just leave the shore a little bit here? Thank you very much, right? If you don't think this is weird, I want you to go try that and then you just report back to me. Let me know or maybe I'll read it on the news of what, what happens when you try this, okay? Verse four, for some reason Jesus commandeers this guy's boat, and the guy's like, okay, because it's awkward when people ask you to do unreasonable things, and so you just sometimes say yes just because it's so weird. It says, when he had finished speaking in another dude's car or boat, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. So Jesus begins with this unreasonable situation where he hops into another guy's boat, and then he makes an unreasonable request where he's like, hey, could you just put out a little bit from the shore? Like, can we just get out a little bit so that I can kind of like get some good acoustics as I speak to these people? And now he makes an even more unreasonable request because he's like, hey, since we're out here, since we're already a little bit out here, I want you, if you could, let's go out into the deep, and those nets that are drying, that those guys, you know, your, your, your team is drying those out. They're, they're kind of rinsing out those nets for the, for the day. Let's dirty them again. It's almost as if, catch this, it's almost as if following Jesus is a series of increasingly unreasonable requests. Isn't it? God will always give you your next step. And more times than not, it is an unreasonable request. (laughs) And what I find is that he will oftentimes ask what seems unreasonable from you so that he can work the impossible through you. But it always begins with an unreasonable request. And then in verse 5, it says, Simon answered him. Like many of you. He's like, Master, uh, Rabbi, Master, uh, we've worked all night. We've worked hard all night long, and we haven't caught anything. But then there's those five words. But because you say so. Say it with me. But because you say so. Five words that have the potential to change the trajectory of your entire life but because you say so. This is where, I want you to understand, make, make no mistake, this is where Peter's life changes. This is where it all changes, but because you say so. Because Jesus is not asking Peter to believe in something. He's asking Peter to do something. And Pastor Tom said something last week when he was preaching that has just kind of stuck with me all week. He says, you know what? You don't have to understand to obey. And as soon as he said it, I was like, oh, it's so good. It's so true. He says, you don't have to understand to obey. Sometimes we think, we get in our minds that that we need to understand the call of God, that we need to understand before we can obey. But what I think is this, that God is seeking those who are willing to do what they don't understand. In fact, I think that that's how God defines faith, doing what we don't necessarily understand. And Because we all want to know the call of God. We all want to know the plans of God for our life. But what we find is that we begin to understand the call of God once we start to do the will of God. And the hard part about the will of God is that it is usually an unreasonable request that I don't like or agree with. I'll read it in the Word, and I'm like, well, that's a nice suggestion, but you've got to get with the times. Like, that's old, or that's, that's not relevant anymore. But we only understand the call of God in our life, and the purposes of God in our life, is when we begin to say, but because you say so. I'll do it, which means that these unreasonable requests that we do not understand may be the next step to greater blessing in our life. Or our refusal to say, but because you say so, may actually be the greatest hindrance to the next step of moving into greater blessing in our life. Because make no mistake, God is not calling you into a religion. He is calling you into an adventure. And when we debase this Christian life into, well, I, I need to go to church, I need to dot my I's and cross my T's and do this. and do, Listen, God is not calling you into religion. He is calling you into an adventure. And it is a series, a grand series of next steps of unreasonable requests that he is just saying, look, I know you don't understand. Look, I know this sounds stupid. Look, I know this sounds preposterous. I'm just asking you to say, but because you say so, I'll do it. Because blessing always follows, but because you say so. Hebrews chapter 11 has like, it's like, a, like the faith chapter. It's known as the faith chapter. It begins with kind of the definition of what faith is. This is what it says. Hebrews 11 verse 1. It says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance for what we do not see. And you may know it in different ways or have it memorized in different ways. But he says it's the confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. And then it says in verse 2, this is what the ancients were commended for. And if you read along in, in Hebrews 11, which I hope you have or you'll do later on today, you'll see kind of a list of these Old Testament people, the hall of faith, right, that like, and, and I started to notice something. I was just kind of reading down through it after I was reading Hebrews 11, verse one and two. I was like, I was reading through that, and I started noticing something, and maybe you've noticed this before. I just, I haven't necessarily just made this direct correlation, but it's like time and time and time again, you see an individual that is mentioned by name and directly after their name is an action verb. Let me, let me give you just kind of like a thumbnail sketch of it, and you can read, it, read about it later. It says this, by faith... Abel brought his offering. By faith, Noah built an ark to save his family. By faith, Abraham went, even though he didn't know where he was going. By faith, Isaac blessed his sons. By faith, Joseph spoke. By faith, Moses chose to humble himself. By faith, the Israelites passed through the Red Sea as on dry ground. Every single time you see the definition of faith, what what they're commended for is the action verb. The But because you say so to the call of God on their life. And my fear, my fear as an American pastor is that we have created a form of Christianity that is full of belief But very little action. That we can all stand and agree on a doctrinal statement and all and and all of these things. And yes, absolutely, and I agree on this. And we can we can sing about it, the doxology, and give mental assent to it. But very little response. But because you say so in our life, this is the adventure. That God is calling us on. And I just want you to understand that if you're, if you're refusing to move forward and be but because you say so, it may be holding you back from the greatest adventure in your life. The greatest adventure in your life. Because if you want to know God's unreasonable goodness, then choose to obey his unreasonable requests. They're always unreasonable. He is so good, and he is so unreasonable. It is maddening. And I'm telling you, every time you say, but because you say so, to his unreasonable requests, you get a new revelation of his unreasonable goodness in your life because blessing always follows obedience. Verse 5, it continues. He says, but because you say so. He says, I will let down the nets. Essentially, he's saying, again. Like, I've been doing it all night, but but because you say so, I'll, I'll let them down again. How many of you know that when God asks you to do something again, that you have to have faith to do it again, even though it hasn't worked before? Have you ever had God tell you to do something that you've been holding on to, that you've been believing him for, that you've been trying to do, and he just says, I need you to keep doing it, or I need you to do it again. And you're like, but, but God, you don't understand. Like, I've been holding on to hope. I've been trying to walk in obedience. I've been trying to do the right thing. I've been doing all these things. And he's like, I know, I just need you to do it again. And you're like, again? Call them up Again? Forgive them again? Like, are you kidding me right now? Like, you, do, you don't understand. And that is so unreasonable. He says, I know. That's why I'm asking you. Do it again. There's a prophetic word. That I wrote it down as I was studying this week. I don't know who it's for. It's for someone in here. And, and the, Lord, the Lord just spoke to me. I wrote it. It says, You've worked for years. You've poured in your life, believed, and held on to hope, and you feel like it's time to hang up your net and to let someone else fish. And God says, put out into deep again. Believe again. I'm not done with you. I don't know who that's for. Maybe it's for a few people. I'm just telling you, God's saying, I want you to put out into the deep again and believe me again. Amen? Peter, Simon, had just enough faith to take his next step. That's it. Do you realize that sometimes we look at these people of old, we look at the Hall of Faith, and we're like, man, it must have been so nice to just be in the Hall of Faith. Do you know the only reason they got in the Hall of Faith was because they chose to say, but because you say so, I'll do it. That's the only reason that they get to be printed in a book of a bestseller It's just because they just decided, this is the most unreasonable thing I could think of, but because you say so, I'll do it. And it changed their life, it changed history. And Peter had just enough faith to take his next step. He had no idea that his yes to an unreasonable request from Jesus would change the trajectory of his life. He had no idea that he would become one of Jesus' leading disciples after this just by allowing this guy to commandeer his boat, to push out, and to dirty his nets all over again. Completely unreasonable. He had no idea that he would one day walk on water. He had no idea that he would lead the church. He had no idea that he would become a lead character in a best-selling book. He had no idea that he would leave a legacy far greater than a successful fishing business that he left behind to follow Jesus. Jesus. And I think the thing that I want all of us to understand is this, that you will never know what God will do once you allow him in your boat. You will never know what hangs in the balance of your decision to follow Jesus. But because you say so, you only know what Peter knows. You only know what he knows. You know that you have an opportunity. What seemingly is an unreasonable request, which is a next step, that Jesus is asking you to do. And what hangs in the balance is your response to that. And what you don't know is what hangs in the balance. What, what Peter didn't know and what neither of us know is what hangs in the balance of our yes to Jesus. But watch what it says in verse 6. It says, when they had done so. In other words, isn't that weird too? When they had done so. Isn't it odd that like, but because you say so and when they had done so, is the application to the agreement. How many of you know it's not just enough to say, but because you say so? He's actually looking for you to be able to say when they had done so. It's the application to the agreement. It says when they had done so. You need to understand these five words was a process that would have taken hours. And many times when God asks you in an unreasonable request and when you had done so, I just want you to know it's not usually that easy. It's not just like, I don't know, just just threw five dollars in an offering bucket, or I, I don't know, I did something pretty pretty simple. It's usually a process, and it takes a lot out of you, and it takes a long time. Peter, think about this, when, when Jesus asks him to do this, Peter would have had to yell to his co-workers that are busy cleaning, mending their nets, stretching them out to dry, getting ready to go, take their fish to the market, go finally be able to go home for their day, and all of those things. He would have had to yell to them, hey guys, um, Hold up, hold up a second. Could you stop mending your nets right now? Just Yeah, I'm going to need you to... We're going to go fishing again. again oh, excuse me? Yeah, this, uh, this preacher who's pretty much commandeered my vessel, um, he wants to go fishing again, and so we're going to go fishing again. Which is unreasonable because it's, it's well-known... That fishermen caught fish at night in shallow water, not during the day in deep water. So it was unreasonable because it goes against Peter's training, it goes against his experience. Has God ever asked you to do something that may look embarrassing to everyone else around you? Where, like, your coworkers and your, your coworkers look at you like, are you kidding me right now? Like, why would you do that? has God ever asked you to do something that you're just like, that literally makes sense? Do you understand that my yes to you, Jesus, means that it's going to be embarrassing for me? That it's actually going to make my life not easier, it's actually going to make it uncomfortable for me? (laughs) Side note, if if God never asks you to do something that you don't agree with, you may not be listening to him. Just throwing it out there. Because everything that he asked me to do, I can't have a problem with. It's always unreasonable. Always. Think about what he asks us to do. He asks he asks us to forgive people who don't deserve it. He asks us to give, to tithe. When are you kidding me? Like I I kinda need that. Uh, he asks us to love people who don't who really aren't lovable. He asks us to trust him even when all I really want to trust is myself. And none of these things make a lick of sense to us. They're all unreasonable. Every single thing that God asks us to do, he understands it goes against our flesh. It goes against what we think and our experience and our life experience and our training and all of those things. Proverbs 14:12 says this, there is a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. There's a way that seems to be, it appears to be right, It feels right, and so many of our, of, our, of our messaging today is like, "What well, if it feels right, then do it. If, if it feels good, it must be right. Like, but there is a way that appears to be right, feels like it is, but it, in the end it leads to death. Lean not on your understanding, but in all your ways, but you trust in him, In him, not in yourself. Faith is never the path of least resistance. It never is the path of least resistance. But because you say so. So he finally gets the guys in the boat. Like, he probably wrangles them in there. Yep, I know guys. Just grab your nets. Just <laughs> trust me. Uh, get, gets them in the boat. But these aren't motorboats, remember. These are rowboats. So it's not like, ring and they just go out there. No, 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 no. They got to work for it now. Because they're in the shallow water. He's like, I want to go out into the deep. Are you kidding me? This guy this guy, this guy. Okay, preacher guy, let's go into the deep, right? James and John, Peter's like, just listen to him, please. Just go into the deep. Is this, is this deep enough, Jesus? Is this deep enough? Because the fish aren't out here, right? Nope, I said deep. Keep rowing, keep rowing, right? Like, and so they're literally, they just keep rowing, they just keep rowing, keep rowing and then they finally let down their nets, and they wait, and Jesus smiles. In verse 6, it says they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. Their nets began to break. And I was thinking about this. So often, I want God to fill my boat, and then I'll allow him to use my boat. God, if you just, don't, don't, you, don't we do this? We hold on to things. We're like, God, I just wish that you changed this i wish you'd change this this relationship god i wish that you'd change my finances god i wish that you'd change this thing and he's like um i just need you to understand something that i only fill what you give me i only choose to fill what you give me i don't fill a boat that i'm not in So if you want to let me commandeer your vessel and take over this area of your life, I would gladly do it because you're kind of doing a piss poor job of it, right? I could figure this thing out, but you got to give it to me. you got to say, but because you say so, I'll do it, and then I can finally bring freedom in this area of your life. But you've got to allow me. You've got to give it to me so that I can fill it because I only choose to fill what you choose to give. And so Simon Peter, verse 8, saw this. Look at his response. It's like all these fish come in, and it's like ready to break, and they're like, oh my goodness, and they've got to call in their friends, and they finally get to a point of just like, this is absolutely crazy. Simon Peter saw saw this, and he fell at Jesus' knees, and he says, go away from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man. In other words, he's like, if you only knew what kind of man I am. And I think Jesus smiled because he knows he does know. See, Peter assumes, just like many of us assume, Peter assumes that Jesus would distance himself from sinners. Like, I I, I can't. You guys are dirty, and I'm clean. If I get too close to you, the dirty is going to make the clean unclean. But what Jesus would clarify later on in this very same chapter, in Luke chapter 5, verse 31, he would clarify it for everyone. He says this, Jesus answered them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus is like, you think that like, oh, you don't know what type of man I am. Like, you wouldn't want to be around me. No, you don't understand. I came for you. I came to catch fish like you. I didn't come for the righteous. I came for the unrighteous to call them to repentance and jesus says to peter in verse 10 he says don't be afraid from now on you will fish for people this this is the end goal for jesus one thing i was realizing is i i'd I'd never noticed this before as i've read through this portion of scripture you probably you know heard this or, or read this before yourself but one thing i realized is they just pulled in the most amazing load of fish ever so much so that their nets were ready to break. They had to call in some reinforcements to fill up their boats. It said both boats were so full that they, that they began to sink. It says that in verse seven, that like they were so full. They began. This is an epic day for the fishing business. I mean, come on. This is like, look at the money. Cha-ching, ching ching There's so much money, so much success. What a blessing. And then I want you to see what happens immediately after this in verse 11. This is immediately after. It says, so they pulled their boats, almost sinking under the weight of their fish, on the shore. What did they do? They left them. They left everything and followed him. They chose to do something that was completely unreasonable. They leave their boats, their nets, their fish, boat full of fish, everything, and follow Jesus. And I think, how often do I settle in the favor of God and forget where the favor comes from? In your notes it says this, do not get so enamored with a full boat That you forget to follow him i'm gonna say that one more time because i think you need to hear it maybe you're not offended enough do not get so enamored with your full boat that you forget to follow him do not think that these fishermen didn't make one of the most unreasonable choices out there they could have settled on the shoreline with a miraculous catch of fish or they could leave the miracle behind so that they could follow the miracle worker. I want to remind you, church, Like Jesus did not come into your boat to give you a boat full of fish. We see that here. He didn't come into your boat to give you a boat full of fish. He came into your boat to make you into a fisher of people. And so when we think that our blessing and our favor is God's goal, we missed the point. We missed the point completely. Do you think that Peter ever kind of thought back, wow, man, I wish maybe a year later, whatever happened, all those fish in the boat, man, I miss, we should go back there. I wish, huh, I wish I didn't leave those fish behind. No, I, I don't think any of us would. Because a boat full of fish for you fades in comparison to be able to feed 5,000 people with three loaves and two fishes, right? A boat full of fish was never the goal. Our Heavenly Father just loves to fish. That's the beauty of what God does. He caught Peter. He caught James and John. He caught a crowd of people. And he's like, now I want you to go do that for others. Um, on Wednesday night, I want to tell you about this prophetic word that, um, that I got on Wednesday night. We had, prayer, we had prayer meeting here on Wednesday, which if you missed it, you missed it. I'm telling you, it, it was an amazing night of encountering God's presence here. We're having it each Wednesday, this Wednesday and next Wednesday as well throughout on 21. I highly encourage you to come on out. Um, it's from 6.30 to 7.30 Wednesday nights. Anyway, I, I was a, at the end of prayer meeting. We were getting done, and Deb met comes, comes up to me. She has no idea what I'm preaching on. Literally no idea what I'm preaching on. She says, I feel like the, the Lord gave me a word, and uh, I just wanted to share it with you. And I said, okay, great. That sounds awesome. She said, this is, this is, what, I, this is what I felt God said. Um, and I'm going to read it for you. She said, the nets are being repaired. Get ready for a catch. I'll say it again. The nets are being repaired. Get ready for a Catch. I just want to encourage you that as we head into this new season, as God is repairing the nets, get ready for a catch. Get ready to be asked to do unreasonable things from God, and the blessing is on the other side of, but because you say so. Why don't you stand with me? I want to ask you this question. What is your next step? What's your next step? Maybe he's asking you to like push out a little from the shore. He's commandeering your vessel in that area of your life, and you're like, whoa, buddy. Uh, what are you doing? Maybe he's asking you to, to go out deep again and to let down your net again. Maybe he's asking you to do something that seems unreasonable. He probably is. Either way, I hope that your answer is like Peter's answer, but because you say so. What is your next step in a series of unreasonable requests from Jesus? And I, and I wrote this down in your notes. It says, you will never know what is weighed in the balance of a decision you never make. You'll never know what is weighed in the balance of a decision that you never make. The reality is, is there's so many areas of our life where we refuse to walk in obedience and trust and response, but because you say so, of our life, we don't even understand or fathom what we're missing out on on the other side of obedience of what God is wanting to do in and through you on the other side of this unreasonable situation because our lives are made up of moment by moment, decision by decision every day. I was looking ahead in the book, the bestseller, Matthew 26. Jesus is arrested. And there's this portion in Matthew 26, verse 56. We'll put it up here on the screen. Jesus has just been arrested. He hasn't been scourged yet. And it says, but this has all taken place that the writings of the prophets might be fulfilled. And notice what it says. It says, then all the disciples deserted him and fled. Isn't it interesting that the same people who dropped everything and followed now deserted and fled? They go from following to fleeing. They go from dropping everything to deserting. I have a word for someone in here today, and it is this. God's purpose in your life does not end with your last bad decision. God's purpose in your life does not end with your last bad decision. Because these same guys who deserted him and fled get restored back into leadership in the kingdom. These same guys who chose in some crazy way to drop their boats and their fishing gear and like, I'm gonna man, that's a whole lot of money and go and follow Jesus and then one time make a m- moment of a decision out of fear to desert him and fled. They are still reinstated in. Can I just remind you that God's purpose in your life does not end with your last bad decision, and which means that you can't go back and change your past. You can't go back and change your decisions of old. I'm telling you, you can start from where you are and move forward. C.S. Lewis' is credited, a friend of mine gave me this today. C.S. Lewis is credited with writing this. You can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are and change the ending. You can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are and change the ending. You only get today. You can't go back and change the past, and you're not guaranteed tomorrow, but what is your decision today? And I know for some of you in here, I want to give you an opportunity today. Maybe you're like, you know what? I'm checking this whole Jesus thing out. I'm still, I'm still not sure. It seems a bit unreasonable. <laughs> I just know that God is like, literally, I sense him and I feel him like he's sitting in my boat. And he's asked me to trust him to like push out. And it is so hard. I want I want you to know, it is, and you'll never regret it. So if it's between you and the Lord right now, if you're in a place and you just know that you sense him right in your boat right next to you right now, and he's asking you to trust him and to give him your life, just between you and him, I just want you to raise your hand. Just say, Jesus, I'm, I hear you. But because you say so, I'm ready. Okay? All right. I want you to pray this with me. And maybe, maybe all of us, if you've prayed this prayer before, you just pray it with them as an encouragement of the decision that they're about to launch into. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I'm in need of a Savior. And I repent of my sin right now. And I believe that Jesus Christ is the savior of the world. And today I make Jesus the Lord of my life. I believe that he died and rose again to give me true life. But because you say so, I receive this new life. This is my new beginning. But I just thank you for those that prayed that prayer right now. I pray that you would confirm that in them as you as they push out for maybe the first time in their life to decide I'm going to trust you in an area of my life. I'm going to trust you with my life. And I don't necessarily understand it. Your next step, your next unreasonable request from Jesus is that you get baptized. <laughs> that sounds unreasonable. I know. It's kind of what he does. So if you made that commitment, that decision to follow Jesus during this last song, you can head over to our, our prayer team. They, we got a Bible and some information, some resources to get you started on this adventure, this series of just unreasonable requests that you will never regret to get you started on this new adventure. As we end with the, this one last song, I just want to encourage you, for those of you who have asked Jesus, Lord, what is, the, what is it that you're asking of me? What is that thing that I've I've maybe given mental assent to, but I'm refusing to say yes, but because you say so, to walk in. Give me the faith to do it. So Lord, we just thank you. I pray for those that are in here right now that you would speak clearly, boldly. You would give affirmation and confirmation to the call of God in their life that they may not understand and may seem unreasonable, but Lord, I pray that they would walk in obedience to it because blessing is always on the other side of it. We thank you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's worship.